Thank you, Melva. Good morning, everybody. So great to be with all of you this morning. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Tyler. I'm the Director of Communications on church staff here. Um, I am so glad that we get to gather together for worship this morning. Here at San Diego First Church of the Nazarene, our mission statement is simple, and that is to lift up Christ. And our hope is to do that through our worship this morning, uh, through singing together, praying together, reflecting on the Word of God together, uh, but also through our interactions with others, our families, our friends, our neighbors, in the coming days, in the coming weeks. So uh, we're going to get started with our service this morning, and I'm going to invite Henry Hooper up to come and read our call to worship. Good morning, everyone. As Tyler said, I'm Henry Hooper, and our call to worship this morning is Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty! My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. O Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have their hearts set on pilgrimage as they pass through the valley of Baca. They make it a place of springs, and the autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, O God of Jacob. Look upon our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. The word of the Lord. Would you stand with me this morning? Let's pray. So often our focus has shifted elsewhere in our lives. Would you gently guide our gaze back to you, God, so that we may be filled with love and give love to ourselves and those around us. May we fix our eyes on you, Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, so that we may show up more fully engage more deeply and have a clear direction and purpose for our lives, God. We 
rising sun, the earth awakes, and hope has come. We look to you, we long for you, oh Lord, oh our Lord, oh our Lord, oh our Lord. I'm a justic, is your name.
Hi, everyone. How are you doing this morning? Good. Um, for those of you that know, you guys can sit down. You're welcome to be seated. Um, for those of you that don't know, I and a group of teens got to be at summer camp for a whole week, and we just got back on Friday. Um, and I have Benji here with me, and I thought Hi. that I would take this opportunity for you to share a little bit about what he learned at camp. Does that sound good? All right, so Benji, if you could start us off and maybe tell us what your favorite part of camp was. Well, I, uh, I really loved hanging out with friends, but also I thought a highlight of camp was um, going to do paintball. They had a paintball arena there, which was pretty fun, you know, natural like forest course with, you know, uh, kind of, you know, the classic, you know, trash can and wood barriers, but I thought that was really fun. Um, and I even hit someone, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that, was, that was a high point of camp among a lot of others. Cool, thank you. And then if you could share maybe one thing that you feel like was your takeaway of camp, what was something you learned? I think one of my takeaways of camp um, was that even if the message is kind of different from what you want to hear that day, you need to adapt it to what you do want to hear and how it could apply to your life. So one of the message, messages, for example, was like about stepping out of the darkness. So I adapted that to what was going on in my life. And then, you know, I kind of applied that and, you know, thought of ways to step out of my own certain type of darkness. Thanks for sharing that. Um, this is the time of the service where we typically will dismiss our teens and children. So if we can get the prayer onto this screen, if you guys would read along with me. This is my prayer for you, our children, that you may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. May you be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Amen. All right, children and teens, you're dismissed. Everyone else, this is the time of the service where we will uh, get to pass the peace of Christ because we carry the peace and the love of God. May you pass the peace and love to each other.
let's wrap up our conversations with one another and gather back as we continue in worship. Would you guys um, stand with me?
Thank you so much. You can go ahead and be seated. Thank you, Janae and Randy and Jacqueline for leading us in worship. Hey, it's really good to be with you this morning, lifting up Christ, being together, worshiping God. There's a few things that I'd love to tell you about that are going on in the life of our church. The first is this, that next Sunday, July 24th, will be uh, Pastor D's Kelly's, Pastor D's Kelly? Pastor D Kelly's triumphant return out of his sabbatical. I actually saw him on Friday. He is looking good. He's got that sabbatical glow about him, uh, and he's ready to jump back into being a part of our community. Um, on July 24th, we are going to be celebrating him and Kay, them coming back uh, uh, to be a part of our community. We're going to be asking him a few questions about his sabbatical and what that's been like for him. And so please come on the 24th. We're going to have a barbecue in the Friendship Plaza at 12 o'clock after the service. would love for you to join us for that. Second thing going on is over the course of the summer, we've been having uh, several different barbecues. We have one more barbecue we are calling the Second Saturday Barbecue that is taking place in August, August 13th. We have two uh, families as a part of our congregation that are going to be hosting. If you are interested to coming to this barbecue, please use that QR code, the one that is up on the screen or the one in your bulletin, to RSVP. We'd love to know that you're coming. Or if you've RSVP'd previously and, and you're like, recognize, oh shoot, we're not going to be there, let us know that too. We'd love to be able to have an accurate count of who's going to these barbecues. would invite you to that as well. Third, we have uh, another 30-something event for, uh, for those that fall in that age group. On Sunday, July 31st, it's going to be from 7 to 9 at uh, Shelly and Dave James's house. Uh, would love for you to show up. It's going to be a, uh, a no-kids event, so grab a babysitter, come hang out at the James's for a barbecue and hang. Uh, it's going to be an awesome time. And then I think the fourth thing, which is the thing that I think all of our pastoral staff is thinking about right now, which is VBS, which starts tomorrow. Woo! Really excited for this. If you are volunteering, thank you so much. We're really excited about this uh, group of kids that are coming in. If you are doing coaching or helping out with registration, thank you so much. Uh, if you are not involved in that, you still can be involved through prayer. We need all the prayer we can get. Uh, certainly there's a mass of kids coming this way, but this is one of the ways that we can reach out and start forming our kids, not only here in our congregation, but the kids of our community, shaping their imaginations, allowing them to get a glimpse of who Jesus is this week. So please be in prayer for us while we are putting on VBS. Specifically be praying for Jordan and Rihanna as they're leading us in this as well. At this time, I'd like to invite Ashley and Brad up for a surprise announcement. Brad, Ashley. Good morning. Um, so as Matt said, I am Ashley Johnson, and this is Brad Kelly, and we are here on behalf of our church board, as well as more specifically the sabbatical planning committee. Um, as Matt alluded to with Dee coming back, that means that this is the last Sunday um, that Russ Martin will be serving in a pastoral capacity. And so we just wanted to, to invite Russ and Luann, please come up. Um, and while they're coming up, we also want to thank the church staff for the amazing work that they've done um, while their typical senior pastor has been gone for the last three months. Um, they've had to step into a lot of different roles, additional roles, 
um, to, to make sure that the amazing work um, of our church continues on even while Dee is gone. Thanks. So before we get to Pastor Russ and Luann, can we just echo what Ashley just said? And let's just join together and show our appreciation for our church staff and the work that they've done these last three months. Wonderful, wonderful. And if you see them today or this week, uh, give them a, a fist bump or a pat on the back or something. Uh, it, is, uh, it is challenging to be on a church staff during a senior pastor's sabbatical. And uh, they have done it and done it well uh, to our great benefit. So be sure to uh, thank them for that as you see various ones of them around uh, even today. Well, three months have gone by. Um, unbelievable. Uh, we're so deeply grateful for the ministry that you have given us here over these past three months. And it was, uh, what, actually maybe a year ago, I think, that the church board began planning for Pastor D's sabbatical. And uh, you can imagine that the centerpiece of that plan was trying to find someone to serve as the interim senior pastor for those three months. And so uh, the board put together, as Ashley said, a, a kind of a sabbatical planning committee, and we asked some people who weren't on the board to serve on that committee, and one of those persons was Russ, and uh, we had a plan afoot, and uh, I don't know if he caught on to it or not. Uh, we thought we were sneaky, but we probably weren't, uh, and that is we were hoping that along the way of the planning, we could convince Russ that he should be the interim senior pastor for those three months. And so uh, we worked and planned and did all of that. And uh, finally, the time came and uh, Pastor D went and made the, the big ask. And uh, we were just so grateful when you both were willing to say, we will do this and we will serve in this way for these three months. And uh, there's one other part of that story, though, that I wanted to share, and I didn't ask uh, Russ's permission, so they say it's easier to get forgiveness than permission, so I'm going to go with it. Uh, but you can imagine that one of the other pieces of that kind of plan is figuring out what to do for the financial piece of that. And what will the salary package be for taking on a, a full-time interim senior pastor for three months? And so the church board and the finance committee worked and, and, and went with that and, and came up with a, a salary package for these three months that, uh, you know, it was, it, it was tight. You know, it was, these, are, these are difficult days for everybody, but we knew it was the right thing to do. And uh, so Pastor D went to uh, Pastor Russ and presented that, and I, I I never forget, Pastor D called me, and he said, you won't believe it, but Russ and Luann said they don't want the salary. They just want to do this as a gift of service to their own church. And so I want you to know that for the last three months, Pastor Russ has served as the interim senior pastor of this church, week in and week out in the office, preaching every Sunday, basically pro bono. Uh, without taking any salary. And so, y'all, we just, uh, from your church board and on behalf of your church family, we just want to present you with uh, just a small love offering of our appreciation. It's not the equivalent of three months' salary. I'm sorry. Uh, but hopefully it's something that uh, you all can use to have some enjoyment. But most of all, just to 
hear us say thank you both so much for the gift that you have given us over these three months. And so let me give this to you. And now I'm going to ask, if you would, uh, for everybody in here, if you would, to stand, please. And let's show our appreciation to Pastor Russ and to Luann for their service these three months. Thank you so much for your leadership, Pastor Russ. Yoli, would you come on up and uh, read us our call to worship? I'm reading from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, New International Version. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, Anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David, this is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you for all your kindnesses over these months. And as we have spent three months with the words of Jesus, I want to uh, finish on a different track where we focus on the person of Jesus and these words of Paul to Timothy, remember Jesus Christ. The basis for thankfulness is memory. And uh, we remember that God has uh, placed us as part of his kingdom. 
And we've been praying for Pastor D and Kay during these months, and they will hit the ground running because this is VBS week, and Pastor D will be at the heart of all that we are doing for this week. And uh, please be a part of our great celebration as uh, we gather next Sunday to celebrate their return. And so I call us today, as, as Paul called Timothy, to remember Jesus Christ. Paul knows that his ministry is nearly over. Just over in chapter 4 of this same letter to Timothy, he says, I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there's in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing." Paul is very conscious at these, the last few days of his life, that Timothy and other followers would be aware of this ministry and carry on that ministry in the days to come. Just before the portion that Yoli read to us, in the first chapter, I want us to look at two verses to introduce this thought from Paul. In the first chapter and verse 12, he says, I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to keep what I have entrusted to him for that day. For the good Jew, there were two days. There's this day in which we are living. There is that day when Messiah is coming. (laughs) For the Christian, there are two days. This day that he's given us to serve him, to live for him, and that day when he returns for us. And so we recognize that we have entrusted all of this to God. What is it that we have entrusted that Paul is talking about? He says over in the letter to the Philippians, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He will guard that which we have entrusted to him. And so we trust him in that. And since scripture is always interpreted in community, we will entrust the things he has entrusted to us as a community, as a people of God, as a local church fellowship. This week, as an example, we are banding together as a local church fellowship for an outreach into our community and to our own children as we recognize the joy of God's word and the celebration that will be all over the place with hundreds of kids throughout this week. God is able to guard what we have entrusted. And Paul's concern is as he hands the baton of this race to Timothy, that he will run with this message, that he will run with this thought that Jesus trusts us and guards us in Christ Jesus. And so he moves from this idea of God will guard our hearts and minds down two verses to this word in verse 14. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. So God guards our hearts, and we trust him. We guard the good deposit that's been given to us, and he trusts us. So we've got this two-way street of this trust. We abide in Christ. It reminds us back to John 15, where we began three months ago. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, this double abiding with Christ. We recognize that he holds us and trusts us. And so Timothy says, Paul says to Timothy, not only is God watching you, but you have been given this wonderful truth. What is this good deposit he's been given? The message of salvation, the truth of the teaching of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Paul has shared this with Timothy in their interactions during missionary journeys and as Timothy is now being established as a pastor. Now here's Timothy, young, inexperienced, weak in physical health, not a great speaker, (laughs) fairly new Christian, and yet Paul says, here, it's yours. (laughs) My life has come to an end. I've run the race. I've finished the course. And Paul's life is very soon after this taken. And Timothy becomes the pastor of one of the main churches of Asia during this time in Ephesus. We recognize that Paul says, well, I wasn't such a good candidate for leadership either. Think of me. I was destroying the church, and God chose me. And now God chooses others as well. And so Paul's plan for Timothy is also God's plan for his church. The first thing he says in the scripture that you only read for us, be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. I'm thinking to the Old Testament where the transition goes from Moses to Joshua. How often does God say, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous? Every time we turn around, he's telling Joshua, be strong. Paul tells Timothy the same thing, be strong in the grace of Jesus Christ. And for every generation that passes that baton to the next generation, we say, be strong. Take up this word of Christ, that which has been entrusted to us. And he also says, be open. In those verses, he says, be strong in the grace that is Jesus Christ, and the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who also be qualified to teach others. So it's not just be strong, but it's be open with this message. Share it liberally. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And it comes as individuals share with individuals this truth of Jesus Christ. Many of you, probably most of you, have been on the tour over on the Midway, and something that strikes me every time I'm on that ship is the, uh, the anchor chain. You've seen those, the, the huge lengths of that chain. Every link weighs 130 pounds. There are 2,000 feet of that linked chain that hold these 20,000-ton anchors. Be a link in the chain. That's what Paul's telling Timothy. Just don't be the last link in the chain, you know? Pass it on to somebody else. Just as Barnabas had sponsored Saul, brought him into the church, nurtured him, taught him, trusted him, so Paul has done the same thing for Timothy and many others, for Titus, for Tychicus, for Epaphras, for Epaphroditus. The list goes on and on of the children in the faith that Paul has led along on this journey. Share. He says, be willing to share and be wise in sharing. Share this with reliable people who will in turn pass it on to others. And so we share this witness. We share this testimony with great wisdom. He's leading to this wonderful concept of remembering Jesus Christ in everything that you do. But he starts with these analogies. He says, the requirement of obedience is that we would follow him. We love him, obey him. Jesus says it over and over in the scriptures we've been looking at. And so he gives three analogies to Timothy. He says, be like a good soldier. A soldier endures hardship, obeys and follows the commands of their commanding officer, given completely to a cause and willing to die for that cause. And so he focuses in this first analogy on incredible discipline, on the discipline that God calls us to as believers. He moves from soldier to athlete. And this is an imagery that Paul just loves. He speaks of it over and over. In fact, saying he has finished the course, he has run his 
race. The athlete is willing to train and compete within the rules. The ancient Olympic Games, you had to sign an oath. You could not compete in the games unless you signed an oath that you, you had practiced, that you had trained for 10 consecutive months during that year, that you had given your all to be in readiness for this. There's a running shoe company that uh, advertises their shoes under the heading, the uh, will to win is nothing without the will to prepare. And so as Christians, we have this will to prepare to be servants of God. And we've talked about the spiritual disciplines. That's how we prepare in prayer, in scripture reading, in fasting, in meditation, in worship, in praise, in all the things that we do to recognize that Jesus is Lord of our lives. And so the focus of the athlete is dedication. So Paul begins to paint this wonderful picture for Timothy. There is this discipline, like a good soldier, there is the dedication of an athlete, and then it seems like the whole illustration just goes flat, and then he says about a farmer. (laughs) These wonderful, exciting things, and then the farmer. The farmer is kind of the, you know, anonymous, unspectacular part of this analogy. And he says this is just as important a part of this as the discipline and as the dedication because the farmer focuses on the harvest and trusts in God and his patience. And just as a crop takes time to grow, so spiritual formation takes a great deal of time in our lives. And so there is this patience part of the equation as well. And he finishes those three and weaves them together and says, now stop and reflect on these things. And if someone's listening to this on podcast right now, it's a good time to hit the pause button and reflect. (laughs) For those of us in the sanctuary, it's time to just say, what does that mean for me? He says, reflect on this, for God will give you insight into all of this. How can discipline and dedication and patience guide me, form me into the Christian he wants me to be as I live out my life for him? As I do what he says in the very next verse, remember Jesus Christ. And as we move intentionally toward communion this morning, I want us to focus on that phrase, remember Jesus Christ as part of the Lord's Supper, which we will share. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember what I have given to you. And as you receive it, realize the value of that gift. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, all the power of God, (laughs) descended from David, the lineage of David that we can trace. He is very human. He is very God. And the perfect God-man, the one who is able to redeem us because he can redeem us and he knows what we need in redemption. The God-man. Remember Jesus Christ. For Christianity is not a doctrine or an idea or a concept or a worldview or an attitude. Christianity is an ongoing relationship with the personal God. We don't indoctrinate people. We introduce people. At the heart of Buddhism is a way of looking at the universe. The heart of the Hindu faith is man's relation to ultimate reality. The focus of Islam is this ultimate loyalty to Allah. All kinds of faiths, Christian science, unity, science of the mind, way of looking at things. But in Christianity, at the heart of Christianity, is the personal Jesus. 
And so we recognize that personal relationship. We do what? We lift up Christ. It's our purpose. And he says, if, if he is lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. And so our lives are to lift up Christ. Paul tells Timothy about remembering Jesus. I remember when we were raising our kids, and if we'd be going to have dinner with a family, either my wife or I would give the speech in the car on the way. (laughs) Behave yourselves, obey, eat what you're served, use good manners, (laughs) be polite. Boys, don't tease your sister. And then as soon as I turned the engine off, either my wife or I would say this phrase, remember what we said. It's not because we knew they had such a short attention span that they couldn't remember the conversation. The inference is, obey the words I have said. And all through our teaching of Jesus in the upper room, it was, if you love me, obey me. If you love me, obey me over and over again. And so the word remember Jesus Christ is more than just, oh yes, I remember the historical figure. It is react in obedience to what Jesus has said. It's not just a mental picture. Remember is is throughout the scripture in several ways. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Not just wake up and say, oh yes, this is the Lord's day. It is remember, find rest, find worship, find renewal in him. React to that remembrance. To all my kids, when they left home, I had this speech that I would tell them, you know, remember who you are. When my daughter left to come to this university, we were living and pastoring in Hawaii at the time. She was coming across the ocean. She was going to be far away from family Remember who you are and remember whose you are. Remember your standing with God. Remember your commitment to him. Remember your responsibility. This last week, I gave the same speech to her son, a generation later, whose new venture is entering into the Marines. Remember, Dustin, who you are. Remember whose you are. Remember your commitment to God. Remember your responsibility before him. We recognize that that remembrance changes us when we see our relationship to God. The word remember comes up even as Jesus is dying and the thief on the cross beside him experiencing his own death and observing Jesus' death says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Not just, oh yes, Father, there were a couple thieves that died alongside of me. He is saying more than that. He is saying, take positive action on my behalf. By your grace, accept me. And what's Jesus' response? Today you will be with me in paradise. Remember us as we call out to God. And so to remember Jesus, we hold him precious. We call his name holy. We put eternal trust in him. To remember Jesus is to look at the cross. And when I look at the cross, I find all the answers to my self-worth, to my self-esteem, to who I am and who God says that I am and recognize my value. The decade that I was pastoring in the Hawaiian Islands, there was a story that came up to our islands from Micronesia. There was a man on the island of Nurabandi in Micronesia named Johnny Lingo. And though he was very young, 
he had become the most successful businessman on that Micronesian island, an import-export business that had a reach around the world with things that were created on that island. Early in Johnny's life, he had met a young girl named Sarita on the neighboring island of Kinavata. And uh, he vowed one day as a young boy, I'm going to marry her when I grow up. And then they were living their separate lives on these two islands, which were about a, a day's sail away from each other. But the years in between, the growing up years, were not kind to Sarita. She was a plain young woman, and all of the teasing of her peers had broken her spirit. She now rarely smiled, usually walked with her head down, speaking only to the few people in her family and very few others. When Sarita reached the age when most young women in their culture were married, her father, Sam Carew, uh, was wondering about having her married. Now, in their culture, there was a dowry. It was called the bride price in the islands. And it was generally based in their agrarian society on livestock, usually cows. And so the dowry with the most... Uh, beautiful and talented young women, maybe four, maybe even five cows. Well, Sam was hoping for one, and he, he got his strategy together because he knew that this was going to be a, an interesting situation. Johnny wanted to follow through on his vow from childhood, and so he contacted Sam Carew and said he wanted to negotiate for the hand of his daughter, Sarita. Well, Sam got his strategy together. Here's the, the best businessman in the islands around them and a simple farmer negotiating for the bride price. So Sam had a strategy. He said, I'm going to ask for three cows and I'm going to hold out for two until I'm sure I can get one. And on the day of the uh, negotiation, uh, it was short and sweet. Johnny said, Sam Carew, father of Sarita, I offer eight cows for your daughter. Well, Sam stammered a little bit and tried to keep the grin off of his face and gained his composure and said, I, I, accept, I accept your offer. <laughs> well, the uh, marriage was held. And five months later, uh, Johnny was hosting a business associate from the United States, and the guest had first visited Kinavata and then came to Nirabande and had heard the stories of uh, how their common farmer had bested the best businessman in the bride price. And so Johnny asked his guest quite directly, what do they say about me on that island? <laughs> he said, well, they wonder why you paid so much. And just then they were interrupted as a beautiful young woman brought in fresh flowers for the table. Without a word, she left. The most striking uh, woman that this businessman had ever seen. She was tall and poised, had a sparkle in her eyes, a smile that kind of lit up the room. And Johnny says, that was my wife, Sarita. And the businessman says, well, but she's beautiful. That's not how they described her on Kinavata. What changed her? Johnny said, well, do you think I paid too high a price? He said, no, but what made the difference? And Johnny said this, do you ever think what it must mean to a woman to know that her husband has settled on the lowest price by which she can be bought? And when women talk and they boast about what their husbands paid, when others say four or five, how much would it hurt to say one or two? 
In Kinavata, Sarita believed that she was worthless, but now she knows she is worth more than any other woman in our islands. That thought brought out the best in her. She saw herself as I saw her, as of infinite worth. And I want us to think about how Jesus views us. When we have lived a sinful life and see ourselves as worthless, and he says, this is what I gave for you. And we look to the cross and see his sacrifice. And we begin to see that we are loved in such a way that he gave everything to save us. And we are changed in the way we give our gratitude to God. So we come to an understanding of who Jesus is when we remember him. And we are to respond in obedience to him. What is of ultimate importance to us? I'm, I'm not surprised by corporate crime when money is everything to some people. I'm not surprised by pornography when sensual pleasure is everything to some people. I'm not surprised by political treachery when power is everything to some people. I'm not surprised by destruction of families when self-will is everything to some people. But in the church where Jesus is everything. Where will we place our focus? How will we live our lives? We are called to be holy. And so we are the local church. And the local church is where all of this takes place. It's where we train our children. It's where we encourage and guide our youth. It's where we heal our marriages and equip our families. It's where we nurture our souls in worship. It is where we teach the word. It's where we baptize believers. It's where we share at the Lord's table. It's where we marry those who are called together by God, where we dedicate our infants, where we celebrate the lives of those who are called home. We are the church. And the church, as Paul says to Timothy, is to remember Jesus Christ the heart of our faith, the one with whom we have this personal relationship. Thankfulness is tied to memory. And so, in a moment, as we say, do this in remembrance of me, let's remember Jesus Christ. Our servers are going to come, and we're going to distribute the elements of communion this morning. As you receive them, come forward Return to your seats, hold those as we participate together and recognize what God has given us and what it says about our value, what it says about who we are and how we are to live our lives. Let's bow and pray. Father, we come to your table, as we always come to your table, with great humility, realizing that you are Lord and that your Lordship means everything to us. Father, I pray that as we receive your broken body and your shed blood, we would, along with young Timothy, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David, the God-man who came that we might have life. Help us to reflect on these things as Paul encourages Timothy, for you will give us insight. And so as we remain in a prayerful attitude as we receive these elements, teach us something new today. 
of what it means to be yours. Father, as we bow before you this morning, as members of this church family, we rejoice in you. We thank you that our thankfulness is rooted deeply in memory, that we recall what you have done for us in salvation, 
that we recall what you have done for us individually as believers, that we recall your grace, which is now applied to our lives. We thank you. We pray that you'd help us always to act as a church family in the midst of joy and in the midst of struggle. We are yours and you are the head of this family. And so, Father, we come before you to your table where you serve us and for generations you have shared this gift that we so graciously receive today. And the word tells us on the night you were betrayed, you took bread, blessed it and broke it, said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim my death until I come. And so we look forward to that day when he comes for us and realize this gift is for us. Take and drink in remembrance of Jesus Christ. Lord, we rejoice in you, and we rejoice in the hope of where this message goes and where this message takes us. And so we will reflect on the things that Paul told to Timothy, the importance of discipline, the importance of dedication, the importance of patience, and this message that has been entrusted to us will be shared and shared and shared again. And share with you the words of Paul in Philippians chapter 4. Finally, my brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have heard or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. May the peace of Christ be yours. God bless you. You're dismissed.